नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ृपनंदनाथर्मा The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, My dear sons of the King, I am very much pleased by the friendly relationships among you. All of you are engaged in one occupation, devotional service. I am so pleased with your mutual friendship that I wish you all good fortune. Now you may ask a benediction of me. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Since the sons of kin Prachini Barhishat were all united in Krishna consciousness the lord was very pleased with them each and every one of the sons of king Prachini Barhishat was an individual soul but they were united in offering transcendental service to the lord the unity of the individual souls attempting to satisfy the supreme lord or rendering service to the lord is real unity in the material world such unity is not possible even though people may officially unite they all have different interests in the united nations for instance all the nations have their particular national ambitions and consequently they cannot be united disunity between individual souls is so strong within this material world that even in a society of krishna consciousness members sometimes appear disunited due to having their different opinions and leaning toward material things actually in krishna consciousness there cannot be two opinions there is only one goal to serve krishna to one's best ability if there is some disagreement over service such disagreement is to be taken as spiritual those who are actually engaged in the service of the supreme personality of godhead cannot be disunited in any circumstance this makes the supreme personality of godhead very happy and willing to award all kinds of benediction to his devotees 
as indicated in this verse. We can see that the Lord is immediately prepared to award all benedictions to the sons of King Prachini Barhishat. Hare Krishna. I thank each of you for being here. We're speaking today from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 30, Text Number 8. And Her Grace Lakshmi Moni Devi has chosen this verse and given me the topic to speak on cooperation. We find here the sons of King Prachini Parishat. who is a descendant of Prithu Maharaj, were sent by their father to perform tapasya, to prepare themselves for taking the great responsibility of ruling over the world. It's quite interesting. He was a king. He was very religious in a ritualistic way, but he did understand that character and values and renunciation ultimately are very, very foundational to good leadership. He didn't send them to college. He didn't send them to engineering school. He sent them to the wilderness to perform tapasya. Because ultimately all education is meant to give us deeper realizations of a connection to our own souls and to the Sanatana Dharma or the Jaiva Dharma, the, the true occupation of every soul is loving service to the Supreme Personality of God. So while they were there, <clears throat> they had the darshan of Lord Shiva, and they were given special mantras, Vaishnava mantras to chant. And they spent 10,000 years like that. And ultimately, Lord Vishnu appeared to them, and he's speaking this verse. He's saying that of all the austerities that you have performed, now understand, they were underwater. There's not much to eat underwater because they were obviously vegetarians. <laughs> and there's not much air. And, No air conditioning either. <laughs> so it's quite quite a, quite austere for them. But of all the austerities, because ultimately the only purpose of all austerities is to please Krishna. 
Atapum virdvichastreshtas varnashrama vibhagashashvanushtatasya dharmasya samsadir haditosha. Whatever our status in society, whatever our roles, our occupation, our duties, even our spiritual activities, our sadhana, its success is only on the basis of how much it pleases Krishna. And yasya prasada, bhagavat prasado, yasya prasada nagati kutopi. We please Krishna by pleasing our guru and the Vaishnavas. So Lord Vishnu isn't talking so nice about how they have um, did their tapasya or they're living in such difficult conditions. He's saying, I am so pleased with you because of your friendship with one another. Because despite all reasons and, and differences you may have, you have put me in the center. And therefore you are united. I'm so pleased I offer you any benediction. And Srila Prabhupada is explaining in this very beautiful purport how each and every one of us is an individual soul. And we're not just temporarily individual souls, as impersonal philosophies often preach. Jivara Swarupoy Krishna we are eternally individual souls, eternally servants of Krishna. And our and we all have a very, very unique identity. That is one of the great opulences of the absolute truth. To just conceive that the absolute truth is ultimately is an enormous, never-ending oneness is certainly something very great. But so much greater is that he expands into infinite, infinitesimal living beings. Like the sun rays are emanating from the sun planet. And how many living entities are there? Just within our own bodies, there are countless living entities living. What to speak of in Govardhan eco-village, we see so many varieties of living entities. What to speak of the whole creation of all the universes. It's, there's no possibility of even putting enough zeros after a nine to even begin to count if we had enough zero stretching through the whole universe from one end to the other it still couldn't begin to to describe how many living entities there are and each and every living entity is unique each has its own personality its own nature eternally. And each living entity has its own inherent personal, intimate relationship with Krishna. And Krishna as Rasa Bihari 
he exchanges personally, intimately with every living entity. When we take shelter of him, and this realization is fully manifested in the spiritual world, which is much far greater than all material existence. So that is God's greatness. And all of this infinite variegatedness is all based on one principle, to to facilitate the ecstasy of prema or loving relationships. Now, if Krishna made everyone the same, it would really be easy for everyone to agree on things. But he didn't. (laughs) And in the spiritual world, there's total harmony, even in the midst, even disharmony only increases the sweetness of harmony in the spiritual world because Krishna is in the center. And here in this material world, Srila Prabhupada is explaining, every living being is individual. We all have certain opinions, we all have certain feelings, we all have certain conditionings. And then we come together sometimes as nations or as races or as religions and so many other things. And even between them, there's so many differences. But Srila Prabhupada is giving a definition here of Krishna consciousness. It's very beautiful how Srila Prabhupada says, Disunity between individual souls is so strong within this material world that even in the society of Krishna consciousness, members sometimes appear disunited due to their having different opinions and leaning toward material things. And then Srila Prabhupada says, actually, in Krishna consciousness, there cannot be two opinions. So there's the Krishna Consciousness Movement and there's being Krishna Conscious within the Krishna Consciousness Movement. (laughs) They're simultaneously one and different sometimes. (laughs) The Krishna Consciousness Movement is a society Srila Prabhupada has created to facilitate loving exchanges between devotees. and to expand those loving exchanges throughout the world, which was Lord Chaitanya's mission, with Krishna in the center. And to the degree we really make that our priority, we're actually Krishna conscious. In other words, Krishna consciousness means being conscious that Krishna is in the center of our lives. And Srila Prabhupada and our beloved Acharyas have always emphasized that just being conscious without activating it through the way we live, the way we talk, the way we interact with each other is not real. It has to be expressed. And that expression actually helps us to realize what Krishna consciousness truly is. 
It's very important that every day we hear Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, that we take shelter of the holy names in the association of devotees. Because it reminds us, it reminds us to focus on what is actually important. Not maybe, but for sure, within this material world, in the age of Kali, there will be so many distractions from our real purpose. And we can never expect the environment to be favorable. The environment within every atomic particle in Kali Yuga is energized with the effect to take Krishna out of the center of our lives, to put our own egoistic concerns in the center of our lives. And through our minds and through other propaganda all over the world and through the energy that permeates the, the world, there will be limitless justifications, excuses, to put ourselves in the center of existence. And not only that, but through the agency of Kali, we will have all sorts of scriptural evidence to prove that we're right. Srila Prabhupada is explaining here very clearly what his desire is, that we cooperate on a higher principle, not cooperate on a lower principle. Srila Prabhupada is giving the example of the United Nations. I was just there actually a couple of weeks ago, I was some event I was asked to be. And I was looking at all the flags and of course, I remember Prabhupada's analogy about the flags. So I was really, it was like a holy place because it's such a special place to remember Prabhupada's <laughs> famous words. Well, Srila Prabhupada's explaining here that they're all trying to be united, but they all, they don't really have a real, a, a true center to unite on. As His Holiness Devamrita Swami Maharaj was explaining, their, their sustainable sense gratification. But to put Krishna in the center is actually the eternal truth. It's the only thing that's actually sustainable. But in order to put Krishna in the center, we have to take our false egos out of the center. And in Kali Yuga, that's the most difficult thing. Kali Yuga means the age of quarrel and hypocrisy. And quarrel is so powerful. Srila Prabhupada gave an example that people are ready to practically declare war on each other if you just touch their hair. 
so many reasons to fight. And the nature of Maya is we're expecting the environment to be really, really conducive. Then we'll be able, and we'll wait until that happens. Then we'll really cooperate. But we'll have to wait till after Kalki Avatar does his seva before that'll before that even begins to happen. We have to rise above our differences. Not just in a sentimental way, but by putting Krishna in the center. Because some Siddhartoshanam, because ultimately that's what pleases Krishna. Srila Prabhupada wanted our society to be united on this principle. So what pleases Prabhupada? We may do something or accomplish something very great, but if we're creating disunity, does he really care about the great thing we have done? Are we really pleasing him? This is something we really have to ask each other because our spiritual advancement is based on how we're pleasing Prabhupada and the previous acharyas because that's the way we please Krishna. And here in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is just being spoken that Krishna is pleased when we're united on the higher principle of pleasing him and serving him. And Srila Prabhupada's given us a glorious mission to be united on. He spoke, as we have all heard, that you could show your love for me by how you cooperate for this mission. That's, in my years as being a devotee, I think that's the hardest instruction he gave. I mean, I'm just being a little honest. Following the four regular principles is difficult. Chanting 16 rounds is difficult for some people, unless you really have a higher taste. And, you know, rising early in the morning is, is an austerity. It's difficult for many people. And taking baths and all of that stuff. But I see that people who have been doing all those things for so many years, still, it's very difficult. They're not able to cooperate with each other. So this is really difficult. So Prabhupada, but Prabhupada's emphasizing it. This is how you could show your love for me. This is how you please me. And actually, the difficulty is a great benediction. Because the more difficult it is, the more we have to really, if we're sincere, we have to really take shelter of that higher principle of putting Krishna in the center. When there's problems like this, we have to really examine, you know, where is my ego fitting in here? Am I really putting Prabhupada's will, what pleases Krishna and Prabhupada in the center of my life? Obstacles are opportunities to grow if we really are sincerely trying to put Prabhupada and Krishna's pleasure in the, as the very heart of my motivations.
and my life. The famous story of Aswatthama. Arjuna captured Aswatthama after he killed the five sleeping children of their own, of the Pandavas. Bhima said, kill him. Draupadi said, let him go. Don't harm him. Bhima said, he has broken dharma, he deserves to die. Draupadi said, that may be, but he's the only son of Kripi, the wife of of your teacher. And I know what it's like to be without all my sons. I don't want her to suffer like this. So they have very two different personalities, very two different ways of looking at things. And they're both really convinced that this is what must be done. And Arjuna is in the middle of both of them. Between his wife, who's extremely powerful lady, and his older brother, who's quite powerful also. <laughs> and what did Arjuna do in this perplexity? He turned to Krishna. <laughs> and Krishna resolved the issue. Now, we don't want to go too much into the story, but what's interesting is even though Bhima and Draupadi really strongly disagreed, it didn't in any way disturb their relationship as husband and wife. They had no personal grudges toward each other. They didn't separate or divorce. They didn't start their own movements. They were totally united in Krishna, even though they disagreed. In other words, they resolved their disagreements with respect, affection, and love, because their disagreements were little things. I'm supposed to end, actually, but I'll end with one little story. In South India, the successor of Ramanujacharya, Parasara, he sent a disciple to... Well, one of his disciples asked, what are the qualities of a true devotee? And Parasara was, he was the acharya of the whole sampradaya. But he was so humble. He said, actually, only a self-realized soul can answer that question properly. I'm not qualified. Now he has tens and thousands of disciples. He's saying, I'm not qualified said, you should go to Tirupati, Tirumala, and ask Anantacharya this question. So he walked 800 miles, climbed seven mountains. He asked Anantacharya. Anantacharya said, let me think about it. Six months passed. He was just doing seva, waiting. And finally he gave an answer. And part of the answer, just one-fourth of the answer, is a great devotee is like a crane. Not like these cranes that are doing construction. 
but a bird. A crane is a white bird that stands on one leg. And the explanation is that crane is on one leg standing in a stream of water looking down. And he's watching, really attentive. And he's seeing hundreds of little fish swim by him, and he just keeps watching. Over time, thousands of little fish are passing, he's watching. Tens and thousands of little fish are passing, and he's just watching. And then a big fish, and he eats it. Now, Parasaramuni and Anantacharya are vegetarians. <laughs> They're not, you know, from certain parts of Bengal or anything. <laughs> the principle is that the crane is allowing all these little fish to pass, and he's always focused on the big fish. In the same way, there are so many issues and desires and events and everything that are there to distract us. Distract us from the regulative principles, distract us from our sadhana, distract us from from our service. And especially in regard to today's subject, to distract us from keeping Krishna in the center of our relationships. There, are, there will always be the potential of various reasons to fight, to hate, to disunite. But for a devotee, they're all like little fish. We could tolerate the little fish and let them pass and deal with them according to the need. But our focus is on the real thing. What pleases Srila Prabhupada? What pleases Krishna? And this is very much described here. And we see in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and Srimad Bhagavatam the very living examples of these principles. The six Goswamis in Vrindavan, they came from very different backgrounds. Some were rulers, some were pujaris, some were from Kayasta community who were like children of great landowners. And when Rupa and Sanatana Goswami would go to Puri, where would they live? They would live with Haridas Thakur. Very, very different backgrounds in many ways. But they were so deeply united on the higher principle. And that's how they built Vrindavan. So we're just about to go on a little tour of the little Vrindavan that the eco-village has tried to create. And a little background to that is this. Of course, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked the six Goswamis 
to rediscover the places of Krishna's pastimes and to live exemplary as devotees, to compile literatures describing the very essence of all the Vedas, and to build temples, to to actually make Vrindavan into a true place of pilgrimage. And Srila Prabhupada was living in Vrindavan for many years, in the very heart of Vrindavan, in Sevakunj at Radha Damodar Temple, besides the Samadhi of Sri Rupa Goswami. And based on the order of his guru to take Krishna consciousness all over the world, he came to the West. And at New Vrindavan, he gave similar instruction. Make a replica of Vrindavan. And he listed the names of the temples of the Goswamis. Make these temples. Yamuna, Govardhan. We heard him speak about this. So it was his will that, that actually in one purport, Srila Prabhupada said, every one of our temples is non-different than Goloka Vrindavan. Why? Because everyone is centered around, everyone's relationships are centered around serving Krishna. That's Goloka Vrindavan. And we want to give people in all our temples an experience of Vrindavan. So here we've been given the opportunity to make a little replica of Vrindavan. And devotees have tried to do that. And we're hoping that it could be a place where people could come on pilgrimages and and actually experience and feel and be able to pray and be able to come together to remember, you know, the pastimes of Vrindavan and the great Acharyas of our Sampradaya. So that is, we're going to go to some of these places now. And before we go, there's a very special inauguration of a book written by His Holiness, Lokanath Swami Maharaj. Lokanath Swami Maharaj has been going for so many decades, taking hundreds and hundreds, thousands of devotees on Raj Mandala Parikrama. And he has compiled this book with all of the information that he's researched and all of the realizations that he has and all the enthusiasm and encouragement of all the devotees who've been with him. And now we have... Braj Mandala Darshan, a 30-day Parikrama experience by His Holiness Lokanath Swami. So I don't have to ask you to purchase the book because I, I, I don't think you could resist.
questions. <laughs> but we, we all thank you, Lokanath Swami Maharaj. We thank all of you for your wonderful encouragement here at Govardhan Eco Village. And now let us briefly, we don't have time to speak at each place, but we'll just go on to just some of them to give a little example. And then throughout the day or the evenings, whenever, if you would like to visit them. We try to make especially some of, especially Prabhupada's quarters, we try to create it in such a way that it's really a place to meditate on. Srila Prabhupada. Thank you very much. Thank you.